Coffee chatter. <laughs> I think Sports Center stole that from us. Yeah, that's going to be our new uh, intro, <clears throat> I think. Welcome, so. everyone. Show four. We got Neek Keeman coming on the show today. We're excited to talk to Neek. We got some questions from fans to ask him, and we want to discuss things, how things are with the Dutch national team, um, and get his opinion on a few things. Yeah, I was surprised. We posted online about he's coming on the show, and I was, we got a ton of <clears> questions. <throat> so unfortunately, we didn't get everybody's question on here. Some of them we did have to take out. It would have taken a while to get through those questions. It would have taken a while. We got quite a few. So yeah. we're really we're really excited that you know people are excited to send us their questions for our guests. And uh, it's kind of interesting for us, too, to hear different questions, yeah, and different fine. topics kind yeah. of thing. Um, today's show, we're going to talk to Neek, like I said, and also discuss a few things that we've thought of the past week. Yeah, I'd say so. So first off, Tori just got a new helmet I saw yesterday. Oh, it's sick. The Lulu helmet? Oh. Okay. That's like a dream in BMX to get like your own custom helmet, especially from a sponsor, especially. That's pretty cool. How did that all come about? Yeah, I'm pretty stoked on it. So I've been a Lululemon ambassador since in 2015 now. Um, they're such a sick company, to be honest. They like, you know, regardless, you know, besides sponsoring us and, um, you know, that kind of side of things, they're kind of like a family, to be honest. They like to be involved with the athletes and help them any way they can. And they're such cool people. And so they asked me a few months ago if... Uh, they could do a custom helmet for me. And I was like, um, hell yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, they, uh, I can't remember the guy's name who did it in Aldergrove, but he's a very talented guy. Oh, Stacy. His name's Stacy. And he's the guy who does like the monster and Red Bull athletes in, in Canada. So he did the, uh, first Lulu helmet. I've actually got a second one on the way, different color scheme. That's exciting. What kind of color scheme is it going to be? Gotta stay tuned. All right. <laughs> People got to wait. Um, <laughs> it's basically the opposite of this one. Okay. That'll so, be sweet. It'll be sick. Yeah, I can, it's going to be, dude. Picking two custom helmets for my kit for the day, that's like the dream. <laughs> really? <laughs> that's, yeah. That's the dream. No one go, knows that. Every time we go to the track, we strategically pick out gloves, goggle combo. Everything's got to look good. Look good, know? feel good, ride good. Exactly, yeah. I love color scheming my helmet to goggles, to kit, to gloves, to shoes. Oh. Customizing is one of the most fun things. It seriously is. I just got a new bike, new Claiborne bike. Answer BMX, Claiborne. Answer back, Claiborne. Yep. You know, and I like it was fun just getting to pick the color and then just trying to change the accents around a little bit. It's so much fun. That yeah. blue looks sick. Yeah, thank you. That blue cool. looks sick. Yeah. We had ourselves a photo shoot at the track. Let me tell you. No one needs to know this, but yes, we did. <laughs> we had yeah. ourselves a shoot. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do to get the photos. Right? I know, so, right? I know, yeah. right? So. We'll start with our controversy from last week's show. Yeah, there was a little bit of controversy. <laughs> so, okay. you crashed with Booty and Oldsmar. Okay, so, we finally saw a video of the crash. So, Gra- Graf sent us the video on, on DM to the Coffee Chatter Instagram account. Yeah, and he posted it as on his story. On a story. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah he posted it on his story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, that was the first time I had even seen the crash. Yeah, me too. Me yeah. too. And I was just going by what you said and obviously how you felt. In the yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And you know what? I'm not going to be stubborn here. It looked like a pretty, just like a race move. Yeah. No, after yeah. watching it, it looked just like a racing incident. Yeah. Like you obviously went inside to guard the line, which is fine. And then at that point, you're moving over to guard the inside from the, out of the second turn, which is normal. Yeah. I think anyone would do that. Instead yeah, of yeah. booty, just railed the turn and came down the outside to try and pass you. Yeah. And lines just came together. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, without seeing the video, obviously from my standpoint, I'll stand by what I said. If I didn't see the video, I would have felt like I got cleaned up because I did. Because yeah. obviously, I didn't see it coming, didn't even hear him, and all of a sudden, boom. But, you know, now that I saw the video, I'm not going to say it wasn't, you know, it was, well, we never even said it was dirty. It was no, yeah, yeah. Him, but, you know, a race move. Yeah, it was a racing incident. No one's fault, obviously, and I don't think it was from Cedric being over-aggressive yeah. or just one of those things. So, Cedric, if you're listening, we, uh, <laughs> no, we issue a formal apology and we'll uh, 
Send us your address. We'll send you a coffee chatter <laughs> sticker for free. I mean, we never badmoked him. <laughs> no, 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 we never badmoked no, him. No, we did. So, I mean, if I was really pissed at him anyways, I probably would have said something at the race, but I didn't really care. So, yeah. yeah. Those European, like the Swiss team especially, I mean, uh, Graf and Blanc have always been good on the, on the circuit, but... Um, they got booty coming up, and kind of Euro- Europeans in general, like their national teams are good. Yeah, programs are good. Yeah, they're doing well. Even Marquardt, he got the win in where is it? Uh, oh yeah, Marquardt. Yeah, yeah. Marquardt. Yeah, yeah. They're uh, Swiss are uh, they're gonna have a good chance at getting like, multiple spots in the next O show. I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, with yeah. those all those guys doing well at the World Cups, that's yeah. a strong team. It's cool to hear they've been listening too. Appreciate that, guys. Shout out to our Swiss friends, <laughs> friends of the show. Yeah. <laughs> um. So why is why do you suppose that in Canada? BMX, for instance, still feels pretty small compared to a lot of those European countries. I don't know. It's weird. We did discuss this the other day, and it's crazy that, you know, uh, countries from Europe, like, I, in my head, I specifically think France, Holland, their BMX cycling is just so much bigger than Canada, even though we have such a large country. Yeah. And, I mean, I would like to say, okay, <clears throat> Canada's got hockey. They love hockey. We love hockey. Everybody does here. I'd like to say it's just because of the cold weather, but... You look at some places like that, they have kind of the same weather we do. Yeah, Switzerland's a, you know, probably a winter sport dominant climate like Canada. Yeah. Um, I think one of the, one of the downfalls of um, being such a big country like Canada is like you, you can't really travel that easily in Canada, you know? Like, mm-hmm. dude, if you want to go west to east coast, it's like a seven hour flight. It'd be two flights. You'd have to fly four yeah. or five hours to Toronto and then another three to the east coast. So as a landmass, we're enormous. So how can we... How can we, we can't really make a centralized thing because people just can't travel like that. No, it's, yeah, it's very true. Yeah. And I mean, let's be real. People in Alberta, they probably have what, four or five months out of the year that they can actually yeah, be outside riding. For sure. Weather's a hurdle too. And, um, you know, as European countries, um, even if BMX isn't their national sport or whatever, like if you look at France, um, Switzerland, all those kinds of countries in Europe, the cycling in general is just huge. So I think the culture of cycling is just big, and obviously BMX falls in that in that culture. Yeah, I think it's crazy that they they all grow up kind of riding to school, riding to wherever they need to go. In Canada, we never do that. Honestly, we not walk. many people ride bikes. No, if I, I went to high school, and I think I, there's probably a handful of people that I ever saw riding their bike. We all walk. We all take a car. No, in We're high school, lazy. I can't think of like any of my friends that rode a bike. Honestly, I was like the only one who rode a bike in high school. You I rode swear. one. Not too high school, but I mean, like, in general. <laughs> yeah, in general. yeah, yeah, like, No, nobody does it, yeah. No, no one, no one does, and it's, it's kind of weird. And um, like, I think since the Olympics, BMX has increased in Canada, but it's still, it's still really small compared to other countries. Yeah, I mean, we are, our mountain bike scene is pretty big. Obviously, we have some great <clears> mountain bike <throat> trails, mountain bikes. I live on a mountain, basically, so yeah. a lot of my friends were mountain biking, but BMX is still smaller. But you're right, I think since the Olympics, I think it's starting to grow. It's, people are starting to learn what it is. Do you feel like back in the day, if you told somebody you raced BMX? Oh, they had no idea. They had no idea. They had no idea. Yeah, I feel like after the Olympics and the Pan Ams were in Toronto, I think helped too. And um, I think like the general person nowadays in Canada, like they might not really know about BMX, but if you, they've probably seen it at least, you know? Yeah, you kind of hope so nowadays. Yeah. It's been... It's been in the Olympics for three times, three cycles now. Come on, guys. Oh, you motocross? No, 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 BMX, bro. <laughs> oh, so you do backflips? No. <laughs> So after our photo shoot at the track, we rode indoor track. Yeah, we went to indoor, Abbotsford Indoor for a little while. That was fun. There was a lot of kids there. It was a big turnout. Busy night. It was the last Saturday of their, uh, our official <clears throat> indoor build. For people that don't know, our indoor build only lasts from, well, I guess in previous years, in the fall, it goes from November to December, basically. And then in this winter, spring, it goes from January to end of February. So it's done now. Yep. That was a big turnout, though. It was actually pretty impressive. 
Yeah, no, there's a lot of kids there. It was, you know, just standing in line there trying to get a gate took a while. Kids, kids were cutting me. All these kids were just sneaking around us. We're yeah, trying to be good people. If you're one of those no. kids cutting me, feel, feel shame. <laughs> yeah, what the heck? <laughs> Should have started yelling at some kids. Yeah, should have. <laughs> but yeah, we had to leave a little early because uh, Supercross was on. Oh, Can't miss that. We are just diehard Supercross oh, yeah. fans. I don't, I don't miss a weekend, okay? I'm <laughs> waiting on, I'm still waiting on Eli Tomac. He's, I'm still waiting. Okay, he keeps having these weekends where he looks like he's about to have his, you know, bounce back and he's going to be the old Eli Tomac. And then the next weekend he just goes to shit, it seems like, and he's nowhere to be seen. I know. Um, it's frustrating. He has so much speed. And yeah. I feel like now he's lost his, he's has lost his confidence, but his confidence is down. Webb's on a roll. Dude, can you imagine? Webb's won five. Unbelievable. A guy goes from winning not, no 450 Supercross races and now he's, yeah, five games. <clears> he's the man to beat right now. I know, Eli's 22 points down. It's about time he starts winning like usual. Oh, yeah. He needs to start doing that now. I know. It's frustrating watching him just because yeah. I know how fast he is. and I don't want him to be one of those guys who has 30 wins and no title because then he'd, he's not going to look back and think his career is a failure, but he's going to look back and be probably disappointed. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm sure the fast. six million makes a year probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably, you know, a slight, you know, uh, consolation prize, but he wants that title. No, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. He's like a Sturt back in the day. Sturt, all the speed in the world, but he just couldn't, you know, couldn't handle it. Couldn't control it all the time. How's your fantasy motocross been going? Or fantasy supercross? Uh, I don't know if I want to talk about that. It's not going you very good. You swing for the hills. <laughs> Every weekend, I try to pick a couple guys that are just randomly going to have the, the weekend of their lifetime, and it almost never works out. <laughs> no. Do you think Neek's a supercross fan? I don't know. Should, I don't we, know should we ask him? I think we should get him on the show, and we should ask him. It's one, one of the cool things about Neek is he's such a, like... He's obviously a top guy in the sport and very accomplished, but he's just a diehard fan of the sport. He really is, yeah. Like, he, he, he knows the amateurs. He obviously does a good job with the BMX videos mm-hmm. website, and he just loves BMX. He does. He's, you know, diehard fan. Do you know anyone that watches that many videos or, you know, is such a fan of it? That's really cool. I don't think so. Yeah, I know. So. All right. So we're going to get Neek on the line and talk to him about things. Okay, on the line we have 2015 world champion, 2014 junior world champion, Dutch Olympian, World Cup champion, what else? Lane 8 assassin, um, Mr. Double Dice. What else we got? Anything um, else? I don't know. That pretty much sums him up. Neek Keeman, how's it going, Neek? Good, how are you? Good, good, thanks for coming on the show. Where are you right now? Um, I'm at Pop and Doll at the moment, I just had dinner, so. What'd you have for dinner? Stompot Burkol. Oh, you know what? I heard about it's this. It's difficult dude. Dutch. It's good. Trust me. We're going we're gonna to get into this what later. It, what is it? I, I know what it is. I heard from a source. Stem pot? Is. That's, yeah, whatever that yeah. thing is. What the hell is stem yeah, pot? It's, it's like mashed potatoes mixed with, um, I don't know, this is kind of like spinach, I guess. We had, we with, had a question. With some typical Dutch applesauce. I don't know. I think it's my favorite. My favorite meal. <laughs> we had a question from somebody, you know, that wants to ask about this, but I don't know if we should wait till later. We should leave it till okay, later. Yeah, we'll wait till later. We'll wait till later. Um, do you still live at the training center? Uh, not anymore. I lived there from when I was 15 until I, yeah, until the Rio Olympics, basically. Yeah. Because the, the sports hotel is just for the younger athletes who go to school or don't have a car so they can live at the center. So then I, you know, after the Rio Olympics, I... I moved to yeah another place ten minutes away, so it's still close. But I kind of have my own thing with Justin at a vacation park, so which is kind of cool. Oh. It's just oh. easy. 
Right. What am I saying? I've been there the last couple of years. <laughs> nice. nice. What am I saying? Um, that's cool. Yeah, that's obviously a really cool place, and it's close to the center for you guys. Yeah, yeah, like it's just perfect. <clears throat> Justin and me, we wanted something for ourselves so we could have our own kitchen and stuff. But you and still. We're not, so we're not at the center like twenty four seven, so we can kind of do our own thing every once in a while. Yeah. So then, um, yeah, we were lucky enough to meet the owner of those parks and um you know i helped him out at, a, at some event i would ride bmx bikes with some kids like at the vacation park and then he got excited and you know that's things rolled from there and now we we live there at the park like 10 minutes away from Papendal, so it's yeah it's perfect for us yeah so last when i was hanging out with Nick before Papendal last year we were at his house for a barbecue and we tried to have a decaf decaf coffee and it was fucking terrible Worse. Really? Yeah. <laughs> i couldn't even i couldn't even drink the coffee so that tells you how bad it was yeah sometimes when i go to mom's i have a decaf when it's at night but no that tastes all right so i thought this one would taste all right but it was disgusting dude it was like, terrible. terrible was it like instant <laughs> coffee what was straight it up, straight up terrible how was this coffee made it was a uh, nespresso pod Oh, it was an espresso pot? Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, I think it was back then, it was Dolce Gusto. Right now, I got an espresso. I think oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, you have a girlfriend? <laughs> nope. No girl. Get right into it. Any, yeah, you have a chick? I guess not. No chick? No, no. Nope. Oh, he's so you're man. on the market is what you're saying. Whatever, that's what you want to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... So yeah, you just like I, I already talked about it with Tori. Like he knows too much, he knows me too well. So I thought if you guys are gonna ask me questions, it's probably gonna get dangerous. So I'm I'm prepared for this. Is <laughs> <laughs> mentally preparing for it overnight. Like I said, we're we'll keep it somewhat PG. You know, we don't have an after dark yeah. show yet. <laughs> um, so good job in in Cannes. Is it Cannes or Kane? Cannes. I don't know. It's France. We say good Cannes. job in France. So yeah, good job in France. France. <laughs> um, was it, it was your first race of the year, I guess. Hey, and it went pretty well. You won both days. How was it? Yeah. Um, well, actually, Tours was my first race. It was oh, second okay. week right, in right. January. Right. But right, then right. yeah, Cannes a bit closer to the season. So um, yeah, we went into Paris a couple of days before, and then on the way home we raced in Cannes. It was a C one. Um, obviously, the French like. The top French guys weren't there, but still it was good to get some race laps in and see where we're at. And yeah, it went better than expected, actually. I, yeah, won twice. So yeah, good weekend. How was the, how was the crowd and, and all that? Like, cause I know uh, every time we've raced in France, the, the fans are really into BMX and they seem to get a good turnout. Was it like that there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, obviously I'm not French, so when I'm lining up for the main and the crowd's going wild, they're not cheering as much for me, but still, <laughs> even though I'm Dutch and the announcer would scream my name, I felt like still quite a lot of people were cheering for me and for the other guys. And, you know, I was signing autographs and taking pictures with the kids like all weekend long. So yeah, I think France is one of the best countries to raise in with the crowd. It's yeah, it's always fun. Yeah. I mean, you've gone what four for four now in those, uh, the first races in France there this year. So I would hope yep, and expect that they would know who you are Just now. an indoor assassin. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I was never that good at a tight indoor track, so that's why I, yeah, maybe it surprised me a little bit. Like, normally, like, my first two cranks is not something I'm known for, I guess. more Normally, I'm better at the big, wide-open track, so, yeah, I was happy to do well at the small, tight indoor as well. 
Yeah, for sure. I, it's it's good to work on something, like you said, you maybe wasn't your strength in the past. So is that something you, you worked on in, in training in the offseason kind of thing? Uh, yeah. Like, when I turned the lead, like, yeah. Like, one of my first, I think my second Euro round as an elite, I won it. So I think I made the step to the lead pretty fast. But still, even though I was, you know, winning stuff, there's obviously a lot of stuff I could still improve on and Gates was definitely one of them like every once in a while we'd get it right but it just wasn't consistent so I I really worked on that and I'm happy that um, yeah this year so far so good yeah so you guys typically have a longer offseason in Europe but but I, yeah. I know you went to Tulsa obviously so when did your offseason start like did you train through the grands um, yeah like after Argentina I had a couple weeks off went to Colombia on vacation uh, then came back, did some, yeah, we started with some basic stuff like endurance, road rides, gym. So going into grants, I knew <laughs> like in Colombia, I was in Colombia. And then I think they posted the track of the grants and it looked like a, a longer first trade than the year before. So I thought like even, I just want to go. I saw the track design. I was like, I had three weeks off. I was like, oh, I just want to race. So I booked my ticket to Tulsa. And then I showed up the next week for, for training again. And then my first gate session, I was like, seriously, why did I book this? Like, I'm so <laughs> slow right now. But then, um, yeah, I did I did once a week, I did a little gate session at the indoor, like at our, the Kimon indoor, <clears throat> to get a bit of a preparation. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy with how I race, but I clearly wasn't speaking there. I mean, yeah, it's kind of good you guys have that. It's like, you know, Nick has his Hillbilly Training Center. You guys have your little yeah. secret indoor center you can train <laughs> at, you know? That's cool. Yeah, it's so good, especially with Holland. Like, the weather is unpredictable. So it's good to have, like, a little indoor we can go to. We can ride. We can do gates with a timing system. It's just, yeah, it's just nice to have something when the weather is not great. Yeah, absolutely. So you have that, obviously, um, in addition to being on the Dutch team. And we want to talk about the Dutch program a little. So. Mm-hmm. It's it's always been one of the most well-respected around the world as kind of a leader in the national team programs, you know, ever since kind of before Beijing even. Um, and Bass has been kind of the guy, you know, in the program for, for so yep. long. So how was it kind of coming into that? Because I'm sure you probably looked up to the guys in the team and Bass and stuff when you're younger. So how was it kind of coming into the team and, and that and all that? Um, yeah, when I was 15, um yeah, Rob van der Wildenberg, he asked me to go to the talent team. Like, there was a, a new thing back then. They had a national team, but they also wanted to do something for the development of riders. So I was the first generation who started that. So then when I was 15, they asked me to to join the development program. And that was like a dream. It wasn't the national team, but still was a dream come true. Like, I always wanted to to race BMX. That was my dream. That's what I wanted <coughs> To be my job and then like when i was 15 i moved to Papenal, so it was kind of a big step to be 15 and move out of your house but then i would live at Papenal with other guys that were my age that had the same dream as i had and then had the possibility to normally i would go to school and after school i would ride and now i could plan school around my my riding and my training so you know, it, it's not like you go there in the first year, you start getting results. It takes time, but it's yeah, a big opportunity I got. And then when I was junior, boss asked me to join a national team. 
So then I was still racing junior, but I could go to training camps with the elite guys. So that was, I think that really helped me a lot. It was a, a dream come true to be 17 and train with some of the top guys in the sport. Yeah, and I know like when I was younger, even I I used to look up to Vanderbees and stuff. I saw him at the Beijing Olympics. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I always, I watched so many videos when I was like 16, 17. And uh, I always thought the Dutch team was so cool because Sander always used to make videos of the training camps and stuff. Yeah, and so when I went I to my first... Fan of those videos. Yeah, he me too. inspired me a little bit to make videos as well. <laughs> yeah. So when I first went to Copenhagen in 2009, it was my first uh, Supercross and I saw all the Dutch guys in person. I thought it was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, for me, I, could, I saw them at some nationals and some guys would train in my local track. So, you know, it's still like if they would show up at, at our local track, I was like, oh, it's so cool that I can ride with these guys. And then, like, it's funny, but my first national ever, Raymond was already elite. So then at some point, I I was in a national team and I was, yeah, roomies with him. So it's, <laughs> yeah, like, I was just starting my elite career and he was, like, on his last two years, I guess. So, yeah, it's funny how that goes. Just a young rookie back in the day. Yeah. Uh, so, basically, we also want to find out, so... Boss is obviously kind of the leader for you guys over the, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, since it be, the program started. But obviously, we've seen that he's left now. Uh, who's yeah. kind of running things now? And uh, how is it now that he's left? Because I heard Boss was pretty strict back in the days. Is it still the same? Or how are things now that he's gone? Um, yeah, I think maybe that's a, I don't know, that's an image the national team has or <laughs> Boss has. And obviously, he's strict. But I think he was more strict when he started the program, like... When was it 15 years ago? Because then there was no, re- not really a structure in BMX. So he was really strict with these guys who had no idea what training was, basically. Mm. And I think throughout the years, he, like, that was, I think, his first year being a BMX coach. So, like a rider, I think a coach develops as well throughout the year. So I think the last year, he, he was strict for sure. But, like, we had room to do our own thing once in a while. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, in December, he, like, I think it was, no, no, I think December, he told us, like, he was gonna, he was gonna quit, mm-hmm. so it came, I think it came as a, kind of as a shock for me, I didn't really expect it, like, after the Rio Olympics, if he said, like, the month after he was gonna quit, yeah, no, I, I just didn't expect him to quit two years before, before Tokyo, yeah, yeah, but then, like, I could see the year after Rio, he wasn't as passionate maybe as the years before but then the the last months when the the points for tokyo started again like the the qualification ranking i could Mm -hmm. see he was getting more and more focused as well but then at some point he was like um, yeah i want to choose for myself i've done this for 15 years and maybe it's the best for everyone if you know he was gonna do something else like 15 years he his whole life was the national team, basically. And I think right now is the point that he wants to do something more in his life. But that, like I said, came as a shock for me. But um, Rob and Raymond, they were already... Rob was the talent coach and Raymond was like assistant of Bob and Rob. But they, yeah, they are doing it together now. And I have to say, yeah, they're doing a great job. Like first, I didn't really know what to expect. But... Um, yeah, they've worked with Boss and they have some own ideas of how to run things. So, um, yeah, I'm really happy with how it's going so far. 
Your rain was going to get you guys on a peck program. <laughs> <laughs> so avoiding. Beach pod workouts every day. <laughs> that dude, yeah. seriously, absolutely shredded. He's a unit. Absolutely shredded. Yeah. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't look still, like he needs a He's still kind of fast on a bike, too. Like, sometimes he joins us at a session and... Yeah, he's still fast. That's no, just mean. That's he, just mean. He's an incredibly mean. talented guy. Like like I said, when I was younger, he was one of my favorite guys to watch, especially in the Beijing Olympics. He was good. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And for he was sure. he was, you know, he's very talented on his bike. You see him do like a lot of stuff on the track, you know, manuals and that kind of thing. It's really impressive. Yeah, and, and he he really likes training himself. So that's why if I'm in a gym and I'm like, ah, like knee hurts or if there's anything that hurts and i'm like yeah i'm not sure if this exercise works for me then it's like two seconds and he has a new exercise that <laughs> so you can train and like he yeah he knows a lot about training stuff so it's yeah i think like first i wasn't i didn't know what to expect i only knew boss for five years but yeah rob and raymond together they're a good team for sure yeah no, I don't think he eats an ounce or any kind of bread at all. Oh, he eats plenty. You guys eat a lot of bread. It looks like he doesn't eat any carbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he pays attention to what he's eating. Like, even though he's not racing anymore, he's still kind of strict on that. No, well, that's cool for you guys. It's cool that you guys, I guess, can change it up now. I'm sure for Boss and for you guys, it's it's good to have a change of face and something new in the program yeah, but now. Still, I'm still training with the same guys and the atmosphere in the, in the group is, is great. So, yeah. That's like really cool. we we all knew Rob, we all knew Raymond, so it's maybe the first two days is like hey, a boss left, but then I think yeah, it was really just two days, and I've I don't you know obviously some things have changed, but it's pretty much the same. I bet. Still, yeah, like we still train at the same place with the same riders, and yeah, That's cool. it doesn't feel that much different. Yeah, I can imagine not. So I heard from one of my sources that uh, when you first joined the Dutch team, you hated going on the road bike rides. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I heard. But nowadays, I, obviously, I, you guys love them, and it seems like you're starting to like them too. Is that true? Like, I remember my first session on a road bike in a talent team. We had to do a one-hour recovery ride. Man, that was terrible. I hated <laughs> it. I was like... I was complaining to Rob for an hour, like, I race BMX in 30 seconds. Why do I have to do this? It's boring. It takes ages. It doesn't make any sense to me. And then uh, at some point, I heard that for the Youth Olympics in 2014, it was like a mixed team event. So every BMX rider that had to go there had to do road cycling too. So that's when I was like, okay, maybe... Maybe if it's not for BMX and I can still see the point of doing it because I want to go there. And then at some point, I, when I did it more often and I met some other road cyclists and track cyclists and sometimes I would do a road ride with them and now I'm at the point that, yeah, I actually enjoy them. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. You got your own bike now. You guys have just like a squad that goes on the rides. That looks, that looks okay. That looks pretty yeah, fun. Yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah. Like, so I think the more average BMX guy hates it, but I think... I think me, Big Davo, yeah, I think we just love the road rides, actually, and then some other guys still hate it, but yeah, I so think we can all see the point of doing it. For me, working, I work with Robert DeWild, obviously, along with our Canadian coaches, and he got me starting to do the road rides, mainly just in the off-season. <laughs> well, guys, for everyone listening, I got a funny story. <laughs> like, last year, we were in San Diego for a training camp with the national team, and then Palm Dog was joining us for a day so in the morning i think we did a trick session 
and a road ride after. I can't really remember, yeah. but we did like a one hour recovery ride. He brought five bottles. <laughs> I don't know how many bars of food he could. He was bringing bottles for the whole team. <laughs> He's the snack man. He needs his granola bars. He needs like five. He needs like his five Nature Valley bars. <laughs> and then another time, we did a two-hour road ride, I guess. And then, like he was, Belmdog was like leading out. I was in front, and he was going fast. I was like, whoa! I didn't know this guy was that good on a road ride. Like fifteen minutes later, I looked at his face, and I think he was cramping. <laughs> I got excited. I finally started leading out the Orange Army. I was like, okay, I can't let these guys down. I got to do my part here. So I started going for it. And then basically as soon as we got as far out as possible, I started cramping up. And I was like, oh boy, this is not good. I had to basically yeah, sit in the fun. draft the entire way back. Oh, that was bad. But no, yeah, it seems like in North America, it seems like BMXers, I, I want to say are against road rides. But in Europe, you guys are very much for them. Do you, is there a reason why you think that is? I don't know. I think maybe in the U.S. there are so many races that maybe, yeah. I think the whole periodization is maybe a bit different. I I, I don't know, to be honest. But, yeah. I yeah, I've done road rides for a couple of years now. And I, yeah. I think BMX, everything you do, it like every gauge you do, every sprint you do, everything in the gym, it's like all out. So I think once in a while, it's also good for your body to do just something that's a bit more relaxed. Give your knees, back, everything a bit of rest once in a while. And I think it's a good way to, you know, work on your conditioning. So, yeah, really, yeah, I wouldn't do it any different. Yeah, I can, I can agree with it's that. It's a good way to look at it. Yeah, it's yeah. a good way to look at I've grown it. to like them over the time now. It's just, it's a good way to recover after a big weekend or even just a big week of training or a big day of training. And it really, I, I'm a fan of them now. If yeah. if you have a big group and a nice sunny day, then I'm a fan. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Like Dutch winners, I'm not a fan of doing road rides for sure. But like Spain a couple of weeks ago in the sun in the mountains with a good group, yeah. It's, of, of of course, I like track sessions on my BMX the most. But um, yeah, I like the road rides as well. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, well, you guys do a lot of things kind of as a group, and I notice you guys get kind of. Um, team sponsors for your whole Dutch team so who are you guys sponsored by now sorry the connection was kind of bad like you were asking who are the team sponsors yeah so you guys have team sponsors who are your team sponsors now in BMX uh Mabo Box Tayoga Lee. um we're gonna get new gear actually later yeah. this week I'm not gonna tell what it is yet just Stay tuned. Check out social media. <laughs> Stay tuned late this week. <laughs> so, uh, uh, probably, and like we got Progate helping us out now as well. I'm, I don't want to miss anyone. I think those are the BMX related. Yeah. So you guys as a team, obviously have really good sponsors in the industry. And I know you guys get good funding as a team, but you know, for instance, the year you won the world championships or, um, you know, mm-hmm. world cup title recently, is it, is it like frustrating in a way that you can't kind of, um, get your own personal deals kind of thing because you got the team deals or you know, how do you feel about that? You can get personal deals as long as they don't conflict with other team sponsors. Right. But um, yeah, I think the way it is in Holland is with the funding, you get your funding. Like if you're top eight in the world, like 
uh, World Cup ranking or World Champs. You have to be top eight to get like salary, um, and the the amount you get is based on your age. So it's the like when you're 18, you're in the lowest skill, and then the older you get, the more you get. So I, when I was world champion, I was in the lowest skill. So then it's like I just did the, I did all I could do in this sport this year, and I'm still on the lowest skill. So at that point, it was maybe a bit frustrating. But I can also see the point that when you're older, you need the money more. You maybe want to start a family. So yeah, there's. Like when you win, it can be kind of frustrating, but I can I can see the point. Yeah, yeah, no, it it does make some sense, but I it, it does yeah, make I, sense. I, but... I, like I can see the point. Like if I would go to the Olympic Committee and say why it's like this, I can see their point. But uh, yeah, it's just a little it's frustrating. Also frustrating yeah. sometimes when you when you make world champs podium or you win the title that. Yeah, like it's just top eight gets gets salary, and it doesn't really matter if you get first or eight. Yeah, if, if you win the worlds, you want a big bonus. You yeah, want you big want bonus yeah, check. maybe capitalize on some sponsors and stuff, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then also before, I didn't have any bonus things in my contract when I was a first year junior because I didn't expect to win worlds back then. <laughs> right. So, like, yeah, I was eighteen when I won my first World Cup, and it came kind of as a surprise, and then. The world champs two months after, but then, yeah, yeah. Maybe if you look like a marketeer, I could have done things smarter. But uh, yeah, it's the way it is. So yeah, basically, you won the worlds as first year elite. You won mm-hmm. the World Cup. Was it that same year? Two months before. Yeah, two months before. Yep. How was it winning at such a young age? Was it difficult after to have the rainbow jersey that young and stay motivated, or was it kind of something that kind of boosted you up just to? feel like you're already at one of the you're already at the top you're one of the big guys now was it difficult with the expectation the second year after um like when i won the world cup at Papenal, i like the world cup before was manchester i went out in quarters and i wasn't even disappointed i was like first year elite went out in quarters it's not great but it's also not bad so and then the next world cup was Papenal, and then the day before the world cup there was national tv doing interviews with yellow swan raymond those guys and they didn't even interview me because they didn't see me as a contender and then the next day I won so then all those things changed overnight (laughs) and then but it was I always dreamed about being like in the top of the sport and then kind of came as a surprise so I I struggled with that that I had a dream that I had for I don't know 12 years that it came through and I was like, what's next? And then the two months after I won my first World Cup, I struggled. Like even at the European Champs, two months after, like I wasn't motivated. Like I, it's so hard to explain, but it just, yeah, I had a hard time dealing with it. And then like that video, maybe a lot of people have seen it. Like the first mode at the European Champs, I fell on the gate, I lost my balance. And then I, I still all shot it. Oh, Maybe you've seen it. But um like the fact that I lost my balance at the gate just showed how my motivation was back then. I just yeah, I wasn't there. But then that day I made the main and I crashed. But that crash really it made me realize that I was still good and the world champ was two weeks after that. You know, I was still good. And I don't know, it sounds crazy, but 
after that crash, I went to the hospital and I could barely walk and move my shoulder. But I don't know, after that crash, I was so motivated for Worlds and then I won Zolder. And then you're just going with the flow for the rest of the year. But then you start your winter prep for the next year. And I remember back then I had a hard time dealing with the expectations of others and also my own expectations because I was wearing the rainbow stripes. So I thought like I'm the world champion. I should be the best every single day. So it, I was just, it was driving me crazy at that time. I, I just wasn't ready for it. And then also in the team, I had a lot of respect for the older guys in the team. <clears throat> so when I was wearing the rainbows in practice, I almost felt sorry for them because it was something they had been chasing for years and none of them had gotten the world title. So when I had it at practice, I was like, I'm the youngest kid here. I still feel like a kid. And then I got something they've chased for years. So I don't know, in general, I, I struggled and then like whole 2016, I, I still got second at the world champs. I won the world champs in time trial and then made the Olympic main. But if I look at the year in general, I, yeah, I struggled for sure. Yeah, it must have been tough still being a young guy, obviously your second year of elite. And all of a sudden it's like, holy crap, I got the rainbow jersey and the spotlights on me. Whereas yeah. in the, your first year of elite, you kind of went in with um, not as many expectations and the spotlight wasn't on you and you just kind of went for it. So that, that must have been tough. It must have been a really rapid adjustment. Yeah, like it changed so fast. It's not like I was fourth year elite and I got a world title. Then you slowly roll into it. But it's like you're a junior like you show up at World Cups, people don't don't know you basically, and then next day the spotlight's on you. And I, yeah, normally I'm yeah I'm more introvert. I I don't care about being in the background. So then the, when the spotlight was on me, I yeah at that time I, I wasn't ready for it. Yeah, I mean that's fair. I, I don't know if you watch motocross, but Anderson won the the motocross championship last year at Supercross, and mm -hmm. then he started this year and. I heard basically from all the reporters saying like he was in the spotlight and basically didn't like it. It's tough being up there. So I can just yeah. totally understand yeah, like, how tough that would have been for you. like it to be in the spotlight. So when they are there, they like it and they enjoy it and they do their thing. But like for me, I, yeah, I've never really been in the spotlight. So I, I struggled with it. And then with other people asking my like autographs and wanting to do interviews. And yeah, it was kind of weird for me because I didn't, I didn't feel like I was that special. So, it, yeah, it just felt weird. And now, like, a couple of years later, like, it's still weird, weird if kids ask me for autographs, but I'm used to it now. And, like, if I can make a kid happy by writing down an autograph, I'll do it. But, it, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, experience. And at that time, I, yeah, like I said, I just wasn't ready. Yeah, that'd be a, a hard adjustment for everyone. Um, so obviously you've had really good success in, in Europe and the World Cup Series and the World Championships and everything. Have you ever wanted to go live in the U.S. and, and chase an ABA title or USA BMX yeah. title? Yeah, you have? Yeah, like as a kid, I always wanted to yeah, race in the U.S. That was always a dream for me. But then the first time I was in the U.S. and maybe, yeah, I think I idealized it a little bit. So then I, when I got there, I was like, hmm. Yeah, it's nice and stuff, but it's maybe not as great as great as I thought. Man, these tracks but suck. Still it's, <laughs> but still, it's yeah. I thought the tracks looked so much better on video than they actually are. Um, but still, it's something I 
I want to do. Maybe, maybe after the Olympics, I want to go there and do a full season. Like I know I'm gonna regret it after my career if I didn't do it. So um, yeah, obviously with the payout, it's yeah, I'm gonna have to find a way to make it work financially. But it's definitely something I I want to do at some point. You have to get on Tinder and just get the Tinder Plus. Start finding rooms to stay at along the way. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a good idea. Yeah, it's cool to race different places because I've grown up racing in, in the U.S. like my whole life, and so that's why I always liked going to Europe and racing Euro rounds like whenever I could, just because it, it's something different. Because you know, the same series year after year just gets kind of stale. And I always yeah. liked. I think I find in Europe the tracks are better. Uh, but not only the tracks, like the atmosphere is really good and the, the crowds are bigger. And they tend to be more into the pros there, I think. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I fully agree. I think the the Grants is great if you make the, the night show. <laughs> and other than, other than that, it's not, yeah. Like yeah. The, the top riders are fast, but it's, yeah, I don't know. Just not as much fun as racing here, I think. Yeah. But still, I, at some point in my career... I just want to do it if it, even though it's maybe more fun to race in Europe, but just to do something different. Yeah, it's one of those things. You want enough stuff in the sport. You gotta, it's one of the, you gotta try. Something new yeah. is fun. Yeah, yeah. Change yeah. is good. Yeah. Uh, yeah like, so, sorry, go on. No, continue. So, you and your brother, you, uh, mm -hmm. it seems like you guys just live, breathe, or just, you know, diehard BMX fans. Do you yeah. ever feel like you get burnt out or is, Kind of you, you making YouTube videos is that kind of your getaway so you don't get burnt out? Mm, I think after the Olympics, I was kind of over BMX. Like like I said, whole 2016, I, I struggled with the expectations. And then after the Olympics and everything, I, I kind of lost the fun. Like the other things I had to do, I just didn't enjoy it. And I lost the fun. But then at some point, I realized... Even if I'm not performing, I lo just love this this game. So, yeah. Like, once I realized that, then also the results started to come again. And still, yeah, I think in BMX, I'm just a freak. I just love it too much. Like, <laughs> when I... If, if if my coach would say, Nick, you got a week off, you can do what you want. I'll ride more tracks than I'll do in a normal training week. <laughs> that's that's really cool. Me and James were talking before you, you came on the show that... Uh, it's really cool that, you know, someone at your level is just such a big fan of the sport. Like, you know, the amateurs, you you do a good job with the BMX videos page. And um, it's it's cool to see that you're just an overall fan of the sport. Yeah. I, yeah. At some point, of, it changed. Like when I was elite, I like when I was junior and before, I would watch every single elite race like a hundred times. I would know like all the results. And then when I turned elite, that also changed. So for me, I was like, hmm, do I still enjoy the sport as much? But then I think it's just you grow up and, yeah, you change in that. But still, like last week in uh, France, Joris Harms and me, we did a competition. Like some other guys in the team would name a random rider. And then we would say with what, which foot he would jump, like <laughs> which, what their regular foot was. And we knew every single guy or girl. Like, yeah. Just freaks, basically. That's a fan. Sylvan Andre, what foot does he ride with? Left. Oh, he goes right, left. 
He switches. Yeah, he goes, yeah right. No, he does. Yeah, Gates right. Yeah, and jumps left. Yeah, okay. I think I have a really good memory of that stuff too. I'm pretty sure I know everyone else. Well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most of the time, you can tell by which way they turn their bars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you just get used. You just get used to seeing guys yeah, ride. And that, you know. I think it's not that hard, but I know the other guys in the team were like, "What the heck?" Yeah. No, it's actually like I bet I could do it too. Honestly, you just get used to seeing guys ride. Yeah. Yeah. You know, year yeah, after year or whatever. All right, so I'm curious, Dominique, do you have any other hobbies? Like, did you grow up playing a different sport or other sports, or has it just been BMX full-time? I did speed skating before I started doing BMX, but then, yeah, I just loved competing, and they didn't really have competitions there, at least not where I was. So then I did BMX, and then after a couple of weeks, I could do a race, and I was like, yeah, I like this racing part, so then I just stuck to BMX, like, forever. And then... I always liked BMX and filming, like even as a kid, I would film everything Justin and I did, and then I had two songs on my computer, and every <laughs> video would have one of those two songs, and then I wouldn't post them anywhere, it's just, I just enjoyed doing it, and now, yeah, it's something, something different to do once in a while, it's, most of the videos are still BMX related, but yeah, it's, I enjoy doing something else. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the YouTube like, I'm, I'm, I'm very bad at enjoying other things so, <laughs> i mean I, I, I guess it's not really a bad thing if you're a full-time bmx rider yeah i agree but then sometimes when i have a week off i'm like man this is boring i want to i want to write need so to pick up when, golf. I, when i get three three weeks off i'll write a bit the first two weeks because i enjoy it and then the last week i'll take off so i give my body a bit of rest but other if I have three weeks without a bike, it will drive me crazy. You need to start golfing, bro. Yeah, you need to golf. You need, you need to start golfing. I went to a, a driving range in the U.S., I think it was two years ago. And then the first five minutes, it was fun. And then you want to get better. And I, yeah, I sucked. <laughs> it's so, so hard. And then I got frustrated and I got pissed. And, and I was like, okay, I'm going to sit on the couch, order a Coke, enjoy the other guys, watch them. But I'm, um, yeah. It's it's a I don't know maybe maybe next year at Papenal if you come we can go golfing here and you you teach me how to do it and maybe I'll start enjoying it. We Deal. we travel we travel with our pitching wedges we chip around Papenal every year we're there on our spare time. Yeah, I, I at some point I ordered some really cheap golf clubs to put them on top of my golf bag so when at the airport when they asked me what was in it and I said golf clubs so I wasn't lying. <laughs> Technically not lying. No, you're not. Check open it up. I got a wedge in there. <laughs> There's also a bike in it but still I'm not lying. No, no you're not. Right on. So uh, we're going to move on to the next segment of the show, Neek. This is the uh, the quick shot questions segment. Are you familiar? Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar. Always oh, a fan, a fan of, the of the show, show you know. He's a friend of the show. That's what I'm talking about. All right. So uh, basically yeah, just answer these ones quick. One word, not one word less, one sentence, one word, you know. Uh, I'll start it off. This one's from T Nighthog 49. Weird. <laughs> I think I know that guy. <laughs> if you were stranded on a desert island and you could only eat frickandels, crockets, or stroopwafels forever, which one would you choose? I would pick Stompot, but that... if I have to pick one of those three, it would be croquettes. Oh, brutal choice. Yeah, fine. <laughs> I, I'd go with Stroopwafels. Yeah. I'd go with Frequentels, probably. Oh, those are good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one's from James Palmer 66. Do you I ever, think I know that guy as well. Do you yeah. ever not go in lane 8 in Papadol? I never go from lane 8 because, I don't know, if you've ever ridden Papadol in winter and there's only one line on the track you can ride, you know why you're not picking lane 8. It's so soft, <laughs> you'll flip the bars. 
Do Spot you... like Abbotsford, we always go lanes two, three, four, basically. Always. There's always have yeah, the. I, I think most of the time I pick five or six in practice. I think maybe three once in a while. Yeah, most of the time your local track, you only use like three lanes. It's weird. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Like Chula. Yeah, Chula I, I don't know why. Yeah, like Chula Avia, we only go the outside lanes. Beijing, we usually go the middle or something. I don't know. Yeah, outside, middle, outside, yeah. always. Yeah. Like at, at, at Chula Avia, I think everyone picks seven. Yeah, because the outside's just better there. Chula Avia, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I do it too. And then I was doing gates with Nick, and he said, like, you can do gates with me as long as you leave seven open. <laughs> That's his speedway. And on Beijing, he just goes in four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this one's from the notorious Snap-on Green. Are you the first person in history to fist pump so hard you slid out after the finish line? And if so, please share your fist pump workouts. <laughs> I don't know if I was the first one. Uh, I remember I've... Yeah, I crashed after the line, felt like such an idiot, but then I realized I just became junior world champion, so who cares? So, yeah. yeah, fuck it. You can go celebrate. <laughs> At Coach yeah. Brendy, will he be try will you be trying track anytime soon with the current Dutchy success from XBMX riders? Mm, well, I can't do this in one sentence, but I, I really want to try that. There's two things in my career I still want to try. And that's one of them is racing in the US and the other one is track cycling. Like a lot of those guys are my friends as well. Like last year I went on vacation with some of those guys. Um, yeah, so I know them really well. And every time they see me on a what bike, like and I'm doing higher numbers than them, they're like, come on, you should do skip BMX, go track cycling. So at some point I, I don't know. Yeah, I want to give it a try. I think a lot of BMXers would be down, yeah. And not me. Yeah, I mean, I don't think either. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know either. That's fair. All right, next question. This one's from uh, at Niels Bensink. Would you rather have no more stamp pot with applesauce for the rest of your life mm -hmm. or no more sex? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll skip the stamp pot. I'll find something else. That's what I was waiting for. I knew you were a stamp pot person. <laughs> at Arnold Yaden. I probably butchered that. What are a few songs you listen to at races? I could, I normally at races, I don't listen to music that often, but I could listen to everything like hip hop. I could listen to whatever, Mumford and Sons, um, Bruce Springsteen, everything basically. <laughs> He's a well-rounded man. 20 gags, whatever I feel like at that moment. So yeah. that's rap, could, could be anything, what I'm in the mood for. Good. All right, this one's from JLeg1. From Josh. Uh, who's your favorite Canadian BMXer between Tori and James? <laughs> I'll go Nick Benetti. Oh, <laughs> good choice. That's Mr. a good one. Oh, man. His bar hump in Madrid is legendary. <laughs> That's still oh, circling it's, around. It's unbelievable. Literally, everybody I've knows that. I've never been a guy, but I'm a fan. Literally, everybody knows about that. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at Sylvan Andre BMX. No more socks with flip-flops for life or a second world title. <laughs> come on, on Sylvain, that's an easy one. I'll, I would walk barefoot the rest of the year for another world title. <laughs> Alright, uh, this one's from at Justin Kinman. How was the after party after you won the Worlds? <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah, it's pretty low-key. I think Nick didn't go out. I don't even think he went out, did he? I don't, think I, I don't think I saw him. I don't, I, don't know. Know. I don't know. Nah, I can't remember I saw you guys there. No, I don't Weird. think so. I, I think wasn't... I wasn't there. I can't remember. No, I wasn't there either, for sure. Yeah, I didn't go. <laughs> Next at, question. At teen underscore nine four three. What is your favorite track? Well, it's original. 
yeah. <laughs> I don't know for racing. I think maybe like Medellin. I'm not sure. Yeah, there's so many good tracks. There's also so many tracks I hate, but I don't know. I can't pick one track. Yeah, that's probably the most. I think that's probably the most. Like, awesome. like, and, and also a track that's great for training and having fun could be terrible for racing and vice versa. So yeah, it's all one. I'm a big believer in that that's, too. I agree. It's funny. That's a really generic question, but it's really interesting to hear people's opinion. Yeah, yeah, it it's, a, it's a hard question. I actually don't know the answer. Yeah. No, I'm always the same. I always have a different track. I like to race versus to ride. Yeah. So yeah. All right. This one's from at Derek underscore Tupper. Would you rather win the world championships or the Olympics? The Olympics. Yeah. If, if it would be like, world champs or silver or bronze in the olympics i'd go world champs because it's still I, I think winning something is always special yeah but uh winning the world tour olympics it would be olympics for sure yeah i agree i agree uh where are we here oh at bertram stromberg i don't know if that's a descendant of maris or what <laughs> how much do you train to maintain being a top rider mm-hmm. yeah how much yeah what is it Every week, six days a week, once or twice a day. Yeah, I think basically what everyone else is doing. So a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guess you're not. Uh, this one's from at Felicia Stancil 23. Who is your favorite superhero? That's a tough one. Like, like as a superhero, as in... Like in a movie or something, or as a athlete. It doesn't know. specify a, super, a superhero. We're just asking the questions here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. As a kid, I always looked up to like Olympic athletes, and speed skating is big in Holland. And also because I did it as a kid, I always looked up to like speed skaters, I guess. But then, when I got older, I think. I always respected Usain Bolt. Um, and in BMX, I think it was Carl Bennett. Like, I remember... I'm sorry, it's a quick shot question. I messed up again. But okay. in in Vancouver, 07, I remember in European, everyone would ride kind of wild. Like, if you know, like, Raymond, like, his style was kind of our standard, I guess. But then I saw Carl Bennett, and he didn't move. He just went straight forward, and... I had never seen something like that before in Europe and he was, yeah, he won it. So it was so fast. So I think it was so different to what I was used to just seeing him ride that. Yeah. I think then in BMX, it would be Cal Ben. Mm, he was silky. Yeah, he was yeah. very, he was very, all right. It's a double shot question from BMX Nathaniel 274. Who won the most brotherly, brotherly fights as a kid between you and Justin and who would win now? Mm, I think we were always, even as a kid at some point justin broke his pinky finger because we were in a fight but um yeah now it depends what we do but i think in bmx i'll win but i think if it's some crazy skills on a bike then it could be a good challenge he's he's good at that stuff no it's about a fight who'd win a a fight fight. (laughs) (laughs) my bad i thought like a brotherly fight Ah, uh, I think Justin won as a kid. Really? Even though he was younger? Yeah, I don't know. He would play, play dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Who would win now? Uh, it's tough. I, yeah, if we both play clean, I hope I'll win. 
<laughs> yeah, you should when you're the older brother. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so that's all the questions we have today. Neek, we really appreciate you coming on the show. It was uh, really interesting to hear about your journey and, and your opinion on some things. And um, thanks for listening to the show. And yeah, once again, we really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, buddy. All right, bro. Good luck this season. We'll see you soon. Thanks. See you guys soon. See you, man. Later. Neek Keeman, everybody. What a show. What a show. It was great to hear from him and great to hear about their whole Dutch program because, yeah, they're kind of, I would say, I wouldn't say it's a secretive program, but uh, they're very well known in the BMX world of having one of the top programs. So it's kind of cool to hear the depths of kind of what goes on behind the scenes for them. Definitely. That's, I mean, their program is very well respected. I know, like, like I mentioned, as a kid growing up, I used to always watch Sander Bistling's videos and um, videos of their training camps, and they always just seemed like so well put together and they used to have such cool training videos and just like the kind of overall program just seemed dialed in every aspect you know yeah i mean and coming back to around to what we talked about earlier how us in canada has is very much a smaller cycling sport there in holland they have a huge program their national team i think they have more riders on their national team than we get at our canadian national championships it's crazy yeah, yeah like <laughs> it's really wild so just having that many people it just you're gonna raise the level up of everyone so. absolutely and just like you think they got neek and um they got dave uh twan's not the team anymore but they had him and you got so many guys that could not even just be in the main at world cups but win or podium and you just train day after day together like that's gonna make you so much better yeah with his last year harmson he technically wasn't on their national team at the time and he was whole shotted and was winning the world cup until the last turn it's crazy. That just shows the depth that they have. It's incredible. Yeah, it's going to be a dogfight for their three spots for the Olympics, hey? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, really well. Who the hell are you going to pick? No, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to go down to the wire, like because all those guys are going to be in World Cup mains at some point, you know? You would think so, yeah. Yeah. So we got a rant. We got a rant of the night. This one, you know, people can send in rants that they think we could talk about. We should about. start asking people for rants, too, to see what they want us to rant about. I think so, too, because obviously we have these things we think about, but this one actually, it took us a little while to come up with, but it's something that ends up happening a lot, especially in the U.S. I don't know about Europe so much, but in the U.S. this happens all the time. Overbearing parents in BMX. Okay, so when I was 11 or 10, <laughs> I was in Phoenix. Me and my dad went to Phoenix, Black Mountain BMX. I was 10 years old yeah. for the national. This kid was in like 6 and under or 7 8 open. And behind the gate, the dad was yelling from the side of the gate at his kid, I want to hear it! I want to hear it! <laughs> Basically, he wanted, his kid, he wanted to hear the contact of his 6 or 7-year-old kid smashing into the kid next to him. <laughs> What the hell is wrong with you? I don't know. I don't that's go, child what goes through ab- that's their head. That's child abuse. It really is, honestly. What goes through their head to, like, to say that to their kid? Your kid, just let your kid race. Honestly, yeah. They're always like, they're yelling at them in the gate. If they don't do as well as they want, they're yelling at them at the finish line. Like, they're picking them up because they can't even unclip from their bikes. It's a joke. Yeah. Like, I'm, what happened to just, you know, letting your kid do the sport for the fun of it, improving on his or her own, and just progressing how she progresses? And there's plenty of time to train when you're older. Yeah. Fair enough, yeah. I remember I was a kid, and my dad, obviously, the big supporter of mine and my family, but my dad never really used to yell at me. He'd always support me very much, but never yell at me ever. And there was one time when I was a kid where I think I got cut off in a turn, I got pissed off, and I shut down. And <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I tried to act cool like one of the pros, and I was like, hey, well, I'm not winning, so I'm just going to shut down. And I remember I came across the finish line, and it was the one time he actually did get mad at me. I don't remember him yelling, but he was very pissed off, and... Basically, all it took was one time, and it never happened again. But it never took him yelling constantly at me to make it happen. No, a similar situation with me. I can remember my dad got mad at me one time. And we were at the AVA Worlds in Ontario, California in 2005. 
and I was in an open semi and there was some like, I can't remember what happened in the lap, but the lap was kind of all over the place. And I mm. thought I was in fifth. So I was just kind of rolling and I was like, oh crap, I didn't make it. Lo and behold, I was in fourth, cruising <laughs> down the last straight, like going so slow. And the guy came sprinting after he crashed, passed me the line and made the main. And I didn't, oh, my dad was fuming. Oh, I can imagine. Oh, he was fuming. But that's a different situation, obviously. And fair enough. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. But let your kids do the sport for the love of it. Let them improve. You don't need to put them under the squat rack when they're nine years old. No, honestly, they need to have fun, learn the skills. Honestly, so we do a bunch of coaching camps. And it's crazy, though. My belief is that these kids will learn most of these skills when they're riding at the tracks after racing with their friends. Absolutely. Like that's what I did. Yeah. When you're bullshitting with your buddies and you're just trying to do random things with your friends, that's when you end up learning the most. And we can coach these kids and give them advice to how to start practicing these skills. But that's when they're going to learn stuff. Not from parents yelling at them, putting them under a squat rack, putting them in clips at a young age. It's just riding. I feel bad for them because the sport's fun. And I grew up, we just... We rode a lot, we raced, and then we'd just ride in the summer until like 10 p.m. and the sun's going down. We just try different lines and um, help each other improve. And it just you're having fun with your buddies. Yeah. And now you hear like kids are cutting class and are, are not going to school and training. It's like, what are you doing? Just enjoy your life. You'll have time to do that. Live later. a normal life. F- please finish high school. <laughs> <laughs> I should hope you are. I should hope so, yeah. And uh, do the sport. And, you know, there's plenty of time to train in your older teens or, you know, your mid-teens, whatever. But as a kid, just, just do the sport for the love of it. And parents, let your kid do it. It's a hard sport. Trust me. Yeah, it really is. At the same time, though, I think in this new age that it is starting to come around to parents that people can just have fun with it. It is starting to come around slowly. But it's, you know, I could come a little more. It is. Yeah. So right before we wrap up the show, we got another Snap-on Green hint. So we're working up to a big Snap-on Green reveal. Oh, yeah. Once so, again, if you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. Yeah. If you listen to the last show, we're basically, we're going to be having a Snap-on Green reveal eventually here on the show. Um, so we're just going to be giving out little hints here and there. <laughs> maybe every show, maybe every second show. We I don't know, know, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so the hint, this one, you want to you introduce us? So the hint is, he's ma- it's a he. Yeah, we discussed it was a he last show. Yeah. He's made a World Cup main. Okay, that is the hint. We're not going to say it might be one, it might be many. Yeah, you don't know. He's made a World Cup main. Yeah. And that's the hint. There you go. So that, I mean, it doesn't narrow it down incredibly, but it does narrow it down. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, people can start thinking now. I don't know. But we're not going to give it away right away. We'll, we'll let this linger on for a little while. We'll let it, we'll let it marinate. Yeah, we'll let it marinate with everybody. That's good. Uh, uh, yeah, so what's it coming up next? Anything? It's coming up next. Um, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. We still have a few weeks until the next USA BMX races. I don't think there's much going on in Europe right now for races. Um, so really, there's just motocross. Motocross. Eli Tomek can do it. We'll have another show next week. Yeah. We haven't decided on the guest yet, but let us know if you want to hear from somebody specifically, and we'll get them on the show. we got a lot of people who... Um, are interested to come on the show and we're going to get to a bunch of different guests and make it interesting. Yeah, we appreciate all you guys' feedback online, asking the questions. Uh, like I said, we got a lot, a lot of questions this time, so we did have to cut a few out, so sorry if yours didn't get said. Um, but yeah, it's great to have so many people interested and wanting to hear from our guests. Yeah, thanks for listening. Um, make sure to subscribe if you want to keep up to date with our shows on the podcast app or on Spotify, as well as uh, follow us on Instagram or Facebook to keep up to date. Um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I was on a roller and I lost it. <laughs> it's one of those things. Oh yeah, send us feedback. We're still new at this, obviously, so send us some feedback. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, guys. See you All next right. time. See you later.